This time on TNT. Randy Bachman welcomes special guest Donovan. We take you back to the 1994 Much Music Countdown. Plus, guess what, boss? Green Day is going to be playing Okay and Aston Torna. That's all coming up right now on TNT. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Randy and my vinyl tap. Just uh, going to talk about a night- song from 1994 here uh, by our boy Elty. Elty John, and uh, I've got a really special guest on the program this evening. I have the producer of that track, that unmistakable hit song for a cartoon, The Lion King. Uh, I remember how big that was. Uh, I remember taking Tal to the Cineplex to see it, and it's just a great Great track. We're gonna play it. I actually, I'm gonna get right to the, right to the juice. Want to play a little bit of the chorus just so you can, not only feel the love but hear the love. And I, right after this, we're gonna, we're gonna have a great guest on the show. I can't wait to tell you about that, and uh, my connections to this uh, track as well. There it is. That's, uh, Can You Feel the Love Tonight from The Lion King by the great Elton John. I have the great producer, well-known throughout the world. He's done everything from Duran Duran to uh, even local boys. Uh, He did Soul City uh, by the Partland Brothers. just a great producer, Donovan. Donovan, Randy. are you there, buddy? Yeah. You didn't hey. write an intro, did you? I uh, I just like to go from the gut, you know. You freestyled, like yeah, that was clear. Burton used to say, you know. Burton, haven't seen so, him in a long uh, time. Yeah, well, we're we're just going right back into 1994, and uh, what? Just can you take us into the the perspective of you? Uh, Working with Elton, I mean, how did the song even come about? Uh, just tell us. I was contacted, yeah, by a producer yeah. of the movie, and it's animated. It was The Lion King. So I wanted to write something that was evocative of an animal that you'd see in the forest, but also write something that had a message of peace at the time, yeah? Sure. So what I wrote was, can you feel the dove? It's white. Mm. Can you feel the dove? It's white. And LT. And that, that's when uh, I believe Bernie Taupin called you up, right? Yeah. And he said, uh, I think, can you feel the love tonight is more LT. So I said, who am I to tell Picasso how to paint? 
uh, as long as the syncopation, you know what I mean? The ta, ta, ti, ti, ta stays the same. Absolutely. I don't care if the words change. Words are just the clothes in which ideas appear, yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. As long as the idea is addressed, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So I believe parts of it recorded at... uh, Queen's Castle at Balmoral, as well as Falling Water in Pennsylvania, the Frank Lloyd Wright House. Uh, there was a lot of different uh, studios you guys worked out of for this. I guess, was that for inspiration for the film? Well, we well? recorded the horns in Akron uh, during a night off on a tour stop when Elton was there. Didn't use the horns in the end. Because I had sort of a... And I thought it was a nice low end, but Elty was like, I think it takes away from my vocals. Well, I don't know if you you, uh, remember, we did a little spot also at the warehouse in Vancouver. I don't. uh, No, I I don't remember. I laid a... A guitar track over it, mm, and uh, did you? I guess you did. I guess you didn't use that either. No, but, uh, I seem to remember now because uh. it was er- early on that I probably because uh, I I know you um, I remember the dove is white part was happening at that time. Can I'm pretty you sure, feel the dove is white? I'm pretty, pretty sure uh, when I was sitting there uh, in, in the recording studio. Uh, I did mention what the hell is the white and why not tonight? And I, I mentioned that to the engineer at the time. And uh, I'm sure that got back to you. So I, I, I guess I kind of wrote the chorus a little bit too. <laughs> well, I certainly don't remember that. The one thing I do remember, Randy, is that you were always full of shit. Okay, come on. I mean, you can... <laughs> Ask anyone. <laughs> Everyone everywhere knows it. Even you. You know you're full of shit. Randy, come on. Let's just have it out then. Everyone knows you're full of shit. Right, Randy? Come on, Randy. Everyone knows you're full of shit. Am I wrong? That's what everybody's been wanting to hear. Yeah. And he just goes all in. Like, there's a freedom that comes with that kind of wealth. Like, who cares? You might as well just say it. Red Day. I like the silent T. You're full of shit. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows it. You even you know it. Yeah. Yeah, every don't, even you know it, Randy. Like sort of teasing him, but really not. Yeah. Hey Jeremy. Hey. Did I tell you oh, about man. the um the keynote speaker, the photographer at the gig I did in San Diego? I don't think so. Didn't I? Was fascinating. His name is speaker. Yeah, he's a photographer named Platon. And yeah, I don't think I don't remember it. He's photographed six U.S. presidents um, and every celebrity you can name. Uh, You know, uh, Bono and 
uh, Serena Williams and sure. everyone. Everybody, Putin, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> like, like everyone you can imagine. Uh, yeah. Iggy Pop, George W. Bush, uh, Barack. <laughs> so he... Putin, just yeah, throwing Putin. that in there. Uh, Adele. Um, he said, uh, uh, Christopher Walken, uh, um, uh, the guy who invented Facebook, Zuckerberg, uh, Stephen Hawking, um, Stephen Tyler, every, like, like everyone. So he was talking about photographing Putin. That was kind of the subject of his keynote address was, uh, here are the people that I photographed and a little bit about them. So he said, um, he was picked up at a hotel in Moscow uh, like classic, like get in the back of the car, don't tell anyone, like super top secret, whatever. And he gets sent into this room with Putin and some bodyguards and two translators. So the tra- his job is to like connect with people in a split second so that the, uh, like the, the depth of field and the lighting conditions are kind of the same for all these portraits, but the person is the one thing that's different. So he has a recognizable style and has to kind of connect with them in a hurry to make sure that the picture is representative of who they are. So he says to uh, Putin, who has these two translators who are whispering everything in his ear, do you like the Beatles? And he said, uh, everyone out of the room, kicked everyone out of the room except for Platon and him, the photographer. And he said, in perfect English, I love the Beatles. And Platon said, so you you speak English? And he's like, yeah, of course. Um, I love the Beatles. So Platon said, who's your favorite Beatle? And he said, Paul McCartney. And uh, the photographer said, "Uh, do you you have a favorite song? And Putin said, yesterday. Which is such a kind of melancholy choice. Of course. No, it's always going to be that way. So Putin's (laughs) trying to give me a subliminal message through the choice of his favorite Beatles song um, was really wild. The other uh, story that he told was photographing Bill Clinton um, just before he left office. It was kind of his first gig. He photographed him for Esquire. You probably saw the picture at the time. Bill Clinton sitting with his hands on his knees and kind of beaming, um, kind of low angle. I remember that one, yeah. So Esquire hired him and uh, uh, he said, "I'm, I'm super flattered. And they said, well, don't be. You were our fifth choice. No one else yeah. wanted to photograph him. So uh, they said, we know you, that you're into that like super low angle stuff. We don't want that. We want like just a study of his face. And it was after the Lewinsky thing went down and he was on the way out and he'd been impeached. Um, so he photographed him the usual way. And then he had about 30 seconds left. And he's like, do you mind if I uh, snap off another couple? And Clinton was like, I don't care. Do what you want. So he photographed a low angle, hands on the knees in the foreground, knees apart, uh, very yeah. un-presidential uh, in some ways. And he didn't hear more anything like, for more months. More like the basketball player in the locker room. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Great analogy or comparison. Um, so several months went by. He didn't hear anything about his picture. He didn't know it was going to come out. He was really kind of down. And he turned CNN on one night. And Larry King had Bob Woodward, the whistleblower from uh, Watergate, on. And they, the subject was the leaked, controversial uh, cover of Esquire. And it was his picture. They were devoting an hour on Larry King to the dissection of this picture, which Bob Woodward wow. said was overly sexual for, I think, five reasons. One, 
the size of his hands in the foreground that basically say, I want to hold you to the smirk on his face. But the weirdest, the three knees apart, but the weirdest thing was he said, and obviously his tie is an arrow. So if you look at the picture, his tie is pointing to his bird, which uh, um, Bob Woodward was suggesting. That is quite the dissection, though. Like, well, exactly. I'm sure, I'm sure that wasn't in the mindset, but it's just you can paint that picture, I guess. But that it's a great reminder that you can uh, know what your intention was, but you can't ever control what people's interpretation is. People yeah, can exactly. take it as being like, overtly sexual, even if that hadn't crossed your mind. There's people out there that think that uh, Dark Side of the Moon, when you play it, whatever, when the lion roars out, like they think it syncs up so much that it had to be part of the recording of the album. Like there's people out there, it's like a flat earth thing. Right. Like just stuff that happens to be, sure, that lines up, but that doesn't mean that's why it happened. <clears throat> was a career maker yeah. for him, though, this picture. And uh, sure. he sort of got this reputation as being like the bad boy of portraiture. He was talking about photographing Muhammad Ali. And he mm. said, uh, I think when I was a kid, I thought his name was Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali. Um, what are you talking about? He said... Uh, Muhammad Ali? Muhammad Ali. Um, the photographer said to him, like, man, what's it like to be the greatest? And it was near the end of his life and he was suffering from Parkinson's and Muhammad, Muhammad Ali said, come here for a second. So he leaned in and he said, can I share a secret with you? I'm not the greatest, but people see in me their struggles and that's why they can relate to me. Um, which is so powerful. Yeah. It was neat because I've seen I've seen in this corporate work a lot of uh, um, keynote speakers over the years, and they often have a triumphant story or overcame odds. This was very different because it was mostly visual. It was like, look at this picture of Serena Williams. Now let me tell you about that day. She just lost in the early round in Wimbledon a year she was supposed to win. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Platon. Interesting. Platon. How about this? Remember this jam? Regulators. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Warren G. Regulate. <laughs> and it's got uh, it's it's that uh, Michael McDonald. I keep forgetting as it's as the back backup. I keep forgetting. <laughs> keep forgetting. Oh yeah, it's a good jam. I remember having this CD on in like in the in the tour van and just crushing it in 1994. In the tour van. Yeah, like that's how early on it was. Ninety-four was yeah. We were like touring Canada in a van, to a little school bus van. A you know, school like bus chassis, the smallest chassis of a school bus, where that's pretty much just like a little bit of a bigger van. Where did you get it? Did you buy it or rent it? No, we bought it. And uh, and Mike Turner welded all the windows. 
steel. He was a millwright, so he welded all the steel in the back. So it was like an A-team a styles for security. Like you could, you couldn't get into this thing. We had the ridiculous lock on the back, and it was like a cage and metal inside the window. So would you take so turns driving? I didn't drive yet at the time, so I was just like, Chilling. everybody else was driving. But we had a once we got a tour manager and a sound guy, they they did the driving. So that was and, the uh, first like bump up. Tour yeah, manager and sound sure. guy. That was the first like okay, we're starting to happen now. But I mean, yeah, definitely the sound. But this like all the songs in this era, that year was like the soundtrack jams because that that's just reminds me of being sitting in that hot van driving around or we opened up for plant and page in the states and that thing did you yeah so were they we like oh man we did we did we did five laps of canada and then like a, the horseshoe of america in it and then we finally got onto a bus after that crazy 95 what is the horseshoe of america you know, when you go right down from the east side, right to Florida, Texas, the swoop of the whole. Right. All of America, but just the outer edge through the horseshoe bottom. And then, you know, you do the middle afterwards. <laughs> you guys almost had your uh, portrait done by a high profile portraitist. Remember? What? Oh, the Brian Adams? Yeah. Thing? Well, he wanted to take our picture, but we were like, whatever salad, because he was basically like hot, uh, like a, a B version of Anton Corbin, which he stole all his ideas from. <laughs> so did it, Anton Corbin ever take your picture? No, but I mean, we had a lot of really great photographers. Um, I can't remember all their names, but... Uh, Kevin Westerberg was a great one. He did all like the most of the great Soundgarden records and and photos. Um, the guy who did the Happiness uh, album, that album cover, he was a great photographer. Like these guys were not. I don't know Kevin, but I'm pretty sure that that other guy got like you know was in the twenty five grand a day range, like that kind of. Rate. Who? These photographers, man. And what's like if what's you're Brian Adams a day? If if you're doing an album cover, that's the ballpark, right? Because they know that's an album cover. It's gonna you know hopefully make a statement for the band. But yeah, a lot of these guys at that point were making twenty five grand a day or thirty grand a day wherever they went. Crazy. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know Brian At like Anton Corbin is in that realm. Maybe more, maybe 50, you know. Back then and this is like 94, 95. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I guess you take a lot of pictures for free before you start making 50 yeah. a day. For sure. Absolutely. But yeah, I did a lot of of that stuff photo shoots with like, you know, you go into the big New York studio loft Pretended look cool for three hours. 
I'm going to say of the things I have to do in my line of work, having my photograph taken is my least favorite. I'm not a natural smiler. Uh, I think because I don't have eyebrows, I can't like look cool or tough or intimidating. <laughs> um, it is not something I enjoy. And it might be because early on during the Street Sense days, there was a photographer who, uh, you know, was taking a bunch of pictures and then was like, you know what, just have fun with it. Do something crazy. And I can't even remember what I did. Like jumped and like one of those. And yeah. that's the picture they used. And yeah. so I felt kind of burned. I do not oh, enjoy that, that process. It. Yeah, no. The, the, you need to be with people that are cool or else it's not going to be cool. Candid is worst. cool. Like vi video shoots are bad too. Like just the waiting before, waiting for... Uh, 30 minutes for a shot to get set up and then go and mime the song three or four times and then wait for another 45 minutes. Yeah. And they're there for 12 hours or whatever it is. It's just like, it's, it's, there's a lot more difficult things to do, but it's just kind of like, <laughs> like that thief video that we did was the worst because it was freezing cold water getting poured. Oh yeah. Right. For, for like, hours and hours and it was already cold out did you ever do so a everybody, live everybody video? got sick as hell did i ever do a live what like live, live video videos? like a concert video yeah definitely lots of dvds of like tour tour shows and like we did the uh the alberta one which was awesome uh both edmonton and calgary arenas and like uh, mixed them up into a great concert. I did um, uh, Can't Not Be Feeling This at Massey Hall. Piggybacked it on a show that the three guys were doing, three trailer park mm -hmm. guys. And that was a pretty big crowd to rap in front of by myself. One of those moments yeah. like, I'm not a rapper, but I play one on TV <laughs> and I'm actually rapping words that I wrote in front of this paying audience. Um, yeah. It's a lot of pressure, man. Especially because it was being shot. I think it's the credits. It was intercut with an interview I did with Aaliyah Jasmine from MTV. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was intercut with the performance at Massey Hall. Well, I still think Trailer Park Life had some classic lines in it. Big time. I know. I heard there's a song on the radio right now that rhymes Jetski and Gretzky, and I'm like, bro, I did that in 2002. Yeah, that's right. Back of the line, cuz. Yeah, for sure. Like, I worked Definitely. so hard on those rhymes because I wanted them to be legit. And you actually taught me when we were making our little record that uh, you have to change the cadence of it. Um, yeah. That's what is pleasing to the ear in a rap. So even if it's Definitely. really complicated, like boom, 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 da, doom, da, da, doom, da, you have to change it up. Yeah, try and keep it, uh, keep it. Well, it's it's kind of like a groove. It has to have a groove to it. It, it or it helps if it does. If like a lot of great rappers are, their rhythm is so strong. Like Notorious B.I.G. for example, like he's like a a. Per, so fluid and 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 big and easy to hang a hat on and, and hooky, you know. And but the rhythm is like a great drummer, 
And apparently he loved jazz and he was hugely influenced by solos. Really? Sax solos and stuff. Yeah. So if you start getting into the rhythm of wicked horn players, I mean, that's a whole new level. Like once you start digging into what John Coltrane does rhythmically, then you're probably going to be uh, at a very high level because like that's what those guys were masters at, you know? Broken holes and simple rhythms. And sometimes the notes might sound way out there, but those notes are connected with the guy who's playing bass and piano perfectly. It's just, the, the, it's so kind of far removed, but it's still connected. But the rhythm of those things are flawless. And like, that's where it's at for that kind of music, where if you can, if you can connect to the rhythm that's happening because they're all doing it. They're all pushing the envelope on rhythm, first and foremost. Not necessarily note selection. It's the it's the the way it comes across. It's just like a boxer, you know. Why do boxers work in rhythm and balance, and everything has to be balanced? And with that, you know, the ball or that triplet thing they get going on that little bag, like it's all rhythm, and you have to stay in rhythm. And wow, you're like right. A, that you see the rhythm of the other fighter in their movements, like how they move their head is they can judge how, you know, stuff's coming at them. So it's, 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 it's so important for a good performance rhythm, you know, I've never thought about boxing that way. You want to punch the guy's head off like a metronome. Well, well, just when you see them practicing, right? There's always yeah. Or even if they're doing punches, they're not just randomly timed. They're it's all motion. Every sport has rhythm. Like a baseball pitcher, you need to have rhythm to to throw a ball as fast as you can. You have to. It's a long cycle of of events that have to be in time. Just or hitting a golf ball to swing at club, like it has to be even rhythmically. There has to be a balance to it so you can maintain momentum and and power. Otherwise, your your you know your weight's off anywhere, and it just you lose all the power you're trying to collect. That's yeah. wild. But yeah, man. How about this jam from 1994 for you? <laughs> Cause I'm your lady. You are Remember how big man. this was? This album, The Color of My Love. Is it? It's Celine, right? Yeah. Was this her first huge album internationally? Probably. I, th- I think it was. Cause I am your lady. What a set of pipes she has. Yeah. Um, and I was on Sony at this time, so I saw the internal like explosion and felt felt it because all of a sudden everything got all shiny and nice <laughs> and new buildings and new manufacturing plants. Oh, really? Yeah, all based on Celine for sure. So are they suddenly like... Because as, as big as she was in Canada... How big she was in Quebec was almost like a whole other level. So there's this weight 
that Sony couldn't deny that was happening in Canada from her alone. And it must have been like uh, finding a, a precious gems mine. So are they suddenly of... like, uh, your t-shirts are going to be another few weeks getting done because we had to <laughs> backfill no, on Celine? Just like I s- no, all of a sudden there's ten more people working there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it, everything got easier because they just threw money at every problem back then the best because there was so much gravy coming in um do you know what i'm hearing from the basement these days suge is working on shredding the solo from (laughs) sweet child of mine no way yeah that's impossible almost i know but she's getting guitar good that's crazy is she gonna get the wah pedal going well this is the thing (laughs) the um the, uh, it's so long too, and there's two solos, right? I know. <laughs> the music, like rock band, they're doing "Sweet Child of Mine," but they're doing the Cheryl Crow version. And yeah. at first, okay. she was All like, right. "Well, uh, uh, they didn't even offer me the solo." And I'm like, "Well, can you play? Like, have you tried to play it?" She said, "No." I'm like, "Well, you should yeah, you might try to try play it." it. Um, yeah. So she has been relentlessly for days and it's starting to really happen wow because i said that's the best the one bomb proof way of getting the solo is going in and shredding and peeling people's paint like make it undeniable so she's like all right don't mind if i do so indy's been doing working on uh we don't talk about bruno on piano and that's coming together really well and shug's been (laughs) playing the solo from sweet child of mine and it's so good. the best sound in the world hearing them That's noodle awesome. in the basement. That's great. Putting and, together uh, a lot of music with songs that they've heard before and uh, that kind of like, wait a sec, I really, uh, I really want this. Yeah, but the best part is they're, they're, they want to do it on their own. That's the hardest thing exactly. to do. Like if you're trying to get your kid into doing it, like our Anna and, and uh, John practice the piano regularly, but I'm you know, and they they do it on their own, but it's still a lot of like, come on, go get the piano going. Oh yeah, you have <laughs> like to give the, them the nudgies. Yeah, I don't, and I don't even know if they, if you said, hey, do you love playing piano? They probably would both say no, I don't. <laughs> you know well i think it was but probably the same for indy she loves her piano teacher and loves spending time with her like it's kind of a great yeah. hang but when she was learning songs that she didn't necessarily like wouldn't have chosen or didn't know it wasn't nearly as fun i think as when she went in and was like can i learn complicated by avril lavigne I, sure yeah i think it's more like uh the they uh it's like working out. If you ask someone who works out, like they hate working out, they just do it. You know what I mean? Because they know it's good for them. And I think both of them are at that point where it's just like they know, even if they don't let, like it now, they'll be happy that they, they yeah. learned it no as question. a skill. You know, so that's where they're at with it. Whereas Anna likes, seems to like drums a little more, and John actually um, wouldn't mind trying guitar so like to for them to be still into music is great like they both listen to music and they both like music and jack too but it's uh like i think once they take it on their own to what they want to learn 
the piano is only going to help, right? So it's I, great. I think the whole job is to expose them to as many things as possible. Yeah. So that when yeah. they leave home, they're like, I, I tried everything. And the other thing is you don't really like, you're not sure because the John, John and Jack more than Anna, Anna's very public with the, the music she likes. She'll make playlists and talk about songs and, but John and Jack, I know they like music, but they don't really talk about it. You know, I think I was more like that when I was a kid where I kept it to myself, what I liked, unless I was with a friend who I could share that like. So with. what do they, what do they like? Uh, I'm not sure, but I know it's kind of vast because if we're doing Jeopardy, John knows like a lot of the new music questions, right? So it's, it's not, so, it's not seventies rock or it's not uh, no. pop now. It's everything. Well, they, they, I think they probably know older music from me playing it all the time. Yeah. Just hearing it. But in terms of what they like, yeah, I think it's a little bit of everything. Probably uh, new stuff. Which is kind of so. the truth because ultimately you end up liking what you're exposed to as a kid, right? To yeah, some degree for not, better or worse. So far, like none of them have been like, hey, can I get tickets for this concert? I want to see. Like if they were, they, music hasn't turned it on like that but hmm. I mean I think it's getting closer with Annalise in terms of like I like this this person like she was like hey I like this band and I don't, I don't know what it was like Cave Town or Cave something but it was like it's it's one of those things where it's like I don't it's missing me my demographic I don't know I don't see or there's no way for me to hear these bands and and uh but like there's all these like uh kind of math rock alternative bands that that are out there too that are like kind of younger kids are catching it just by virtue of where they are online or whatever you know do you know who indie I'm, loves like I'm missing out on most of that stuff i don't know where the hell they get hear about it <laughs> indie legit loves and i don't even know how she discovered them mariana's trench all right, They're like yeah. six or seven pop, pop, pop rock bangers by Mariana, Mariana's Trench that she just Well, they're loves. big. Uh, yeah, Canadian from Vancouver. Yeah, and, and he that, uh, that guy wrote uh, Call Me Maybe. Singer guy. Yeah, well, that's the singer. His He grew up in a studio. I, I think his dad owned like Little Mountain Sound. Or oh, something. really? Like, worked with. Like Bruce Fairburn a lot, and probably you know all the all those great engineers and producers in the Northwest. Like I think he grew up around those types, so it makes sense that he's a, a good pop songwriter. Definitely. Um, and they're they write bangers, man. And he's a great singer, and they're tight. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it it's neat. Like I, I don't even know where the fandom came from, but she is a well, fan of that radio. band. It's so cool. Yeah. Like that's the, the, the that's a pop radio band, and but they've had a lot of I think success everywhere, which just I guess prolongs your career when you can rely on other territories to to like what's he driving music. Probably a Tesla. It's probably something swank, yeah. But he also just put out a, a song with Krogsy. Yeah, there you go. So he's like, well, he's right. I'm sure he writes with tons of people all the time. Like, for every 
Carly Ray Jepsen. He's probably written 30 songs you don't know, but like it's continual and he probably keeps doing it and he's, and he's making good cash doing that. But isn't um isn't Call Me Maybe enough? Yes, absolutely. If you wrote that, you're yes. done, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like I there's certain songs like you hear it like I I take if you're one hit wonder, I think I take that Len jam. Steal my sunshine. I think I would take that one as like, okay, well if you're gonna pick one one hit wonder, probably because you know that song is so simple and safe and catchy, it's gonna be used forever, everywhere. It's it's gonna become like a sugar sugar. You know what I mean? Like you just hear it. And every, it kind of sets a mood. I would put my money that that Len dude is still fine just from that song. Mark Costanzo and, his sister, and he, whoever. He, yeah, yeah. He, right. Mark and Sharon were brother and sister, and Clattenburg yeah. did. We've talked about it before in the early days. Yeah, they did a, a song called Candy Pop, and Clattenburg yeah. uh, directed the video for it back in the day. It is a great song, but there was so much <clears throat> weird lore around that band because Stinkin' Rich was in the album cover art. Yeah. Uh, but then left the band before the album came out. Yeah. Because it, it was like animated figurines of them all. And the three guys uh, from Hip Club Groove, which um, Corey Bowles from Trailer Park Boys, who played Corey on Trailer Park, was in Hip and Club Buck Groove. 60, Buck 65 is in there too. Right? Yeah. And he, well, he was stinking rich before he was Buck 65. That's right. Sorry. Um, but yeah. And, and I don't really know what happened. I remember hearing they... Like, put X-Lax in Madonna's drink backstage at the Grammys. Like, they were punks. Yeah. Well, I think they were just... Uh, maybe that's what happened. To, maybe that song, people were like, hey, we know that. And then the brother and sister jumped on it. And that was when everyone's like, you know what? Suck it. Yeah. Right? Like, And then they see that it's like... Because they probably knew it was a banger, right? Yeah. They must have known right away. Like, this song... I can't get it out of my head. You know, but that is a that sample. Song. What is that from? I don't know. Dink, 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 R&B dink. jam. Pretty hooky. Probably some Yacht Rock B-side. It's great, though. Maybe a... And, of uh, course, it's like an orange juice commercial. No, that's what I'm, what I'm saying. It will always be something. Like if they're shooting a, 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 something that wants to be summery. Yeah. Like they just captured that summertime vibe. And it's like such a positive song. Yeah, it really is. Like, it's so simple. L-A-T-E-R that vibe. week. Let's take a break, Matt. One of my kids... Friend's dad looks like that guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? Yeah. Aww. <laughs> He's all little like that. Aww. <laughs> all right, let's take a break. Here it is. Ready? Oh, yeah. 94 Jam. big breakdown start of the chorus i didn't even know this is how it started this might be like the album version and this is the uh single 
<laughs> She's coming to Rama, I think. Melissa Etheridge. Did she have any other songs? Yeah, I'm sure. She had a bunch of songs. Like, I know she's respected in rock circles, but this is probably the only song of hers I can name. And I know she was really important. Yeah, I'm sure she's got plenty. Uh, if I heard the verse, I wouldn't know what song it is. That's why she started out with the, the uh, chorus. Here's another one that you know, I'm sure. There's a bunch. What is it? You know the chorus. Come on, Jono. Like, if I passed her in the mall... You know it. I don't. Yeah, you do. I don't know. It's coming. I know what you just explained it perfectly. Like I don't know from the verse. But the no, here comes the chorus. Five, six, seven, eight. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. yeah, Okay. Crazy. She's like the April wine of uh, mid-90s female rock artist. This one? I don't know. Okay, but you know this one. <laughs> it's always like I don't know until... Oh, wow, I know that. Yeah. Yeah, I want to come over. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. I'm having a cocktail. Anyway, so yeah, you uh, you know her. I know her. I didn't know that I knew her that you, well. You'd be clapping on a, 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 enough jams. You'd be, you'd be crushing it at Rama. Um, okay, what else you got from 94? How about uh, Light Abba? Ace of Bass? Yeah, Ace of Bass. All That She Wants Is Another Baby? The Sign. Oh, yeah, right. How could I ever have confused the two? I know, right? The, every song is the same, which is a different chord, like, underneath it. All That She Wants Is Another Baby was their more political work. Yeah. That's when they really uh, got into the issues. <laughs> Remember John Cicada? Just another day without you. <laughs> That's the song. Uh, Mr. Jones, that was a 94 joke. Was it really? I'll Remember by Madonna. I don't know. I will remember. This, like, do I? One hit wonder. One hit wonder. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, we have something special down here at Birdland this evening. It was like the Calling first kind of hip hop mixed with jazz. 
Cantaloupe. What is Us it? Us three. That what is like this? I don't know. Of, it's uh, Cantaloupe. Oh, that's the name I'm of the sure. act? I'm sure you know. No, Us three is the band. Oh. It's just one of those instrumental ones. Remember, there was some weird... There's some weird moments in 90s music like that, the 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 ska horns stuff. Remember Swing Band came back for like 8 months. Wow, was that, that um root beer and licorice? 50 cents yeah. spare. <laughs> yeah, I go to the yes, diner, yes. don't get my money there. Bye. Yeah, like it, it was just Ooh, such that. a glitch of like throwbackness that happened. I'm trying to remember, I had friends in the Johnny Favorite Swing Orchestra. Was that their jam? Root Beer and Licorice was so. them, yeah. Because then there was also yeah. Zoot Suit Riot. Yeah. Bring back a bottle like of beer. The, the the big American version of it. Zoot Suit Riot, Riot! Run a call through your cold <laughs> black I, hair. I, I remember Root Beer and Licorice being just such a... Like, let's take it right from the 40s. Boom, ba 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 boom, ba 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 boom, ba 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 so like the Johnny Swing went like uh full dive into that genre. Yeah. But like once you're in once yeah. you're in there, you, there's no changing cuz it was gone a year later. What the hell what do you do then? Right. You it's can't, no different. You can't no, suddenly go grunge. No, it's no different than like the poor swing bands in the 40s and 50s starting to lose grip of the clubs and and live music scene in the 60s 70s and, and by the 80s it was like you could barely get arrested like buddy rich was touring in a in a, a little bus with 30 you know 17 year olds trying to keep it together like it was over can you please repeat like, that <laughs> what what was the last part buddy rich touring with a bunch of 17 year olds oh oh as as fellow musicians yeah, like just because there was no professionals that that were in their twenties, thirties, like they, they were moving on to other genres or doing other things, right? So you couldn't, you the crack band you had is like almost impossible to find. So you go to Berkeley or you go to you go to these schools where there's like eighteen year old guys that are great. It was, must have been difficult to find them. Um, but yeah. That's where it came to, just because in the per- terms of popular culture, by that time, it's just, it was just, it was a... Right, if you're like word. a, do, 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 and <laughs> yeah, disco like, what, are gonna do? <laughs> what are you going to do, man? Like, thank God the Arkells started putting horns in the, in the music, because otherwise, like, in terms of mainstream music, it's, it was hard to get a gig for... Playing, playing in, in with a horn, but like it was such a staple, and even in the seventies, you know, in a lot of different genres. So it's difficult with certain instruments or cert- especially styles. But like, yeah, Johnny Swing probably could get her going again now. I'm sure people would love to listen to that stuff. Right. All he had to Fruit do was wait twenty eight years. <laughs> Just, yeah. Why not? I texted Max and said, "You guys should cover." Um, Ooh, ooh, wanna hold ya, wanna hold ya, and do the things that lovers do. Remember oh, the Billy Ocean? Oh, and then the going gets tough to get going. Wouldn't that be a yeah. great song for them? 
<laughs> sure. What, ooh, did, what did he say to no, no answer? <laughs> no, he dug it. Oh, yeah, nice. It, it was either that or get out of my dreams and into my car, but I think um, when the going gets tough, the tough get going is a great song for them. Hey, Jer, I have the 1994 Much Music countdown in front of me. I'm going to list, I'm going to sing the song, and you say if you can name the artist, and we'll see how many we can get. Ready? Well, hold, just hold that thought for two seconds. I just want to hear the, the bass line. It's such a good song. Listen to this intro. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> What's with all these crazy intros I've never, <laughs> never heard before? Ex- expanded edition. It's like, that just sounds like a big, like at the end when they're done with this song, like, no oh man, this song's so great. Let's do a big jar of cocaine and then do this. Like, listen. What? I just wanted to see if there was a fretless bass or something, but it's a, a synthetic synthesizer bass. We need the song to be five minutes long. What the hell was that? Like I want to, I want the beat to die and then like have echoes happen. Like there's no vibe or anything to that other than like doing rails. Rails. Wow. Now I want what there's. Expanded edition. Like, I don't need to... Can I get it without that, please? That couldn't have been <laughs> okay, the radio anyway. edit. No, that's the extended... Or expanded edition. Okay. So, anyway. Yeah, let's play... What What year is it? Uh, It's 1994. Yeah. And it's a much top 10? Uh, It's much top 30. Okay. But I don't know all the songs, and I don't know all the artists. So uh, let's just see how many we can get through. Ready? Yeah. We'll go as fast as we can. Um, Sure. Okay, ready? Because it's all for one and all for love. That's the uh, Brian Adams Robin Hood jam. Yes. I'll always be there when the moon and its promise is fading. Oh, yeah, I know that one. Who is it? Do you know more of it? I'll always be there when the moon oh, yeah. and its promises is fading. There it's when those... the singing is... And there's a children's choir at the end. I'll always be there. Yeah. By... It's... Is it one of those, like... Quebecois, uh, British... gorgeous dude. Oh, rock, yes. rock cuisine. <laughs> Please forgive me. I know not what to do. That's uh, uh, Brian Adams yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had like mm-hmm. eight in the top. Mm-hmm. Crash mm-hmm. test dummies. Yeah. Said I loved you, but I lied. 
I don't know that one. That's uh, my head. Michael Bolton. Um, okay. Oh, hey, hey. Oh, hell yeah. Gotta put on your party dress. <laughs> Tom, Tom Petty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm, uh, mm. Oh. How do you know all these songs? Like that? All that she wants is another bebop. Uh, uh, Ace of Bass. Yeah, that's again. on there. Um, you say you're young and I don't care. Won't find out until we grow. Yeah. Uh, Sonny and Cher. Yeah, but, but in this case, version. it was Cher and cartoon oh, show in uh, animated oh, that's series. Right. Yeah, who was it again? <laughs> Oh, Beavis? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot all Share about that. Share Beavis and Butthead. And um, that was a big hit. They yeah. met in a hurricane, standing in a shelter, out of the rain. Oh, yeah, Blue Rodeo. Yeah. Nice. Uh, mm, uh, do you have to let it linger? <laughs> Cranberries. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and I know some of these bands, but I don't know these specific songs. Well, I know. That's why like I Color Me Bad, Time and Chance. I remember the band, but I wouldn't, yeah. PM Dawn, You Got Me Floating. I don't I remember, remember You that. Got Me Floating. That must have been a B-side. Yeah, but it was still pretty big. I'll say. So in 1994, you guys were in a shortened school bus driving the horseshoe through the United States. Were you yeah, we had a couple on there, I bet. Did you? On the top 30 at that time? Well, Probably. Maybe, uh, like, if Starseed, maybe. Or even, uh, like, Naveed did really well at much. Oh, wait a sec. Our Lady Peace, Starseed. Number 27, yeah. the week of August 19th. There you go. Crazy. Oh, okay, here's another one. Ready? You say... Yeah, that's J uh, Lisa Loeb right yeah. there. Uh, mm, you make me want to shoot. <laughs> yeah, uh, salt and pepper. Slide, slide, <laughs> slip and slide. When you're living in the city, it's do or die. Yeah, that's a fantastic voyage. Yes, by Coolio. Yeah. I swear by the moon and the stars in the sky, I'll that's, be uh, there. <laughs> Who is that band again? That's, uh, I don't know. That's All For One, but there was also a version by a country band, Lone Star. Um, crazy, crazy, crazy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, was dazzled <laughs> by the... Nice. Huh? The Bare Naked Ladies. Got it. Uh, mm. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All I want to do is have some fun. Cheryl Crow. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am ashes. I am Jesus. Oh, I am up. precious. Could I be your girl? Yeah, Jan Arden. Yeah. Jan Arden. You crushed it. Um, <laughs> you love it. Uh, <laughs> I can't stand it. I know you planned it. Oh, freaking Beastie Boys. Yes. Black hole, son, won't you come? Yeah. <laughs> this is like, why isn't this a party game? This is the best. Uh, mm, all right. 
What's the frequency, Ken? Is he a R.E.M.? Yeah. That was the big video when he was bald. They shaved his head from like, oh my god, he's got he's, no hair. He's bald now. It was the first like bald guy reveal in a band, <laughs> I think. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, oh my god, he's got no hair. Like when it actually was a shocking <laughs> thing that people were like, oh my god. <laughs> And then everybody started to do, oh, fuck, I guess I could do that now. Uh, I was just imagining was a show time. on HGTV called Bald Guy Reveal. Are you ready? Well, Here he comes. The, oh, my God. It, it, that was the first time where I was like, whoa. <laughs> everybody was like actually talking about it. I love a good Bald Guy Reveal. Oh, my God. Uh, well, good chat, but. Oh yeah, that's it. Oh, that was the last song. That's it. Just, that was that was number one. Oh, how about this? I'll what make if... love to you like you want that, that's, me to. That's uh, boys to men. Okay, how about this? Do you have the time to make love to me? Green da, yeah. green da. Say, be that guy with the that guy who's got and Green Day tickets. Love. Oh, that's actually East Coast Green Day cover band. <laughs> I am one of those melodramatic fools. <laughs> like he sounds in the no, pocket. Do the, do the guy from the East Coast getting tickets for Green Day and going to see him and telling his buddies. Guess what, buddy? <laughs> On the radio, they call her number four. I called in and said, <laughs> your caller number two. I hanged up and I pressed read all right quick. And I was caller number four. I got two tickets to Green Day. <laughs> Got two tinkers of green in life, buddy. <laughs> and they're saying they're doing the dookie tour. Yeah. Green Day dookie and tour. You know what ones I hope they do? It's like, I have one of those melodramatic fools. I hope they do that one, buddy. No, it's Green Day doing dookie in its entirety. That's the line. <laughs> green Day, some new dookie. That's some tarta. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, bud. Okay, bud. What?